misadventures in small business share stories that will involve someone doing something stupid or embarrassing. Misadventures in small business number 18, razor wire and 80 pounds of frozen chicken. Today's misadventure is actually two mini misadventures combined. Even though these two stories take place eight or nine miles and three months apart, they are both a result of the same source. After my days of starting up a security company in 2016, I took about a year and a half to regroup financially as referenced in episode four. During this time, I still got calls from my favorite commercial broker who I worked with in episodes two and seven. As his specialty was selling generally distressed slash vacant properties, there was some call for my services at many of his listings. The first property was located on the northwest corner of 19th Ave and Buckeye Road. About three-quarters or two-thirds of the building was formerly a Mexican grocery store that had gone out. The remaining portion on the far east side was actually occupied by an active rent-a-center store. This location was interesting as it was right on the border of residential areas to the north and industrial buildings east, west, and south. Aside from the nearby freeway ramps, junkies weren't that visible during the day. Once the sun went down and all of the businesses shut down for the day, it was a whole different story. I was tasked with checking on the property three or four times per week from August to October 2017. As there was a pending sale, the owner wanted to make sure nothing deteriorated before the close of escrow. The property was only two miles out of my way driving home from my day job, so I did most of my checks before 3.30 during the weekdays. Generally, the biggest problem was illegal dumping, as the north side of the building was bordered by a side street with an uncontracted dumpster left behind when the prior tenant left. One afternoon, just minutes after I got home, I got a call from the property owner in a panic. Apparently, the rent center had been broken into the previous night via the ceiling from the vacant store. I invited my brother along to help as I figured we would have to do something to secure some of the gaps in the building and headed back to the property. The rent center had five or six game systems stolen. The store manager showed me where the freeloaders came through his ceiling. With this as a reference point, we entered the vacant side to look for entry points. We finally saw that a very small ventilation window just above a roof overhang that normally had a grate and chicken wire over it was now wide open. The rear of the former grocery store had a fenced area with some miscellaneous junk and debris. One interesting useful item that we found was a spool of razor wire. My brother is 15 months older than me, but has the metabolism of a rat. As he still had a 28-inch waist, even at the age of 48, guess who climbed up on the roof overhang? After he got up on the roof, I half threw and he half caught the spool of razor wire on a stick and pulled it up. The vent still had at least one solid iron bar in place. My brother wrapped the razor wire around the bar multiple times and I freed up a couple of spare padlocks to fasten the razor wire to the bar. By the time we finished, the hole was only big enough for a bird or rodent to squeeze through. I felt fine, but my brother had several cuts and stab marks on his torso from the razor wire. I detoured into a quick trip about four miles away and grabbed him two or three 
cans of Foster's, you know, the big 23-ounce oil cans. Normally, I don't let any passengers drink in my car, but made an exception that day as I saw the Foster's lager as medicinal. Hopefully, the crazy bastard hit the bloody spots with hydrogen peroxide once he got home, but who knows. I had some great help for just $10 worth of beer. The building sold five or six weeks later without a hitch, and the site eventually housed a brand new O'Reilly Auto Parts store. A little under two months after my work wrapped up at this site, I got another call from my broker friend about a location at 24th Street and Indian School Road. So this one was a much stranger situation to start. There was a Kentucky Fried Chicken operating at the site. The franchisee's lease was negotiated about 20 years prior and hadn't really kept up with reality. When the property owner died of old age well into his 90s, his four children looked at the lease rate and realized that dad had been a little too generous for years. After giving the KFC franchisee notice of the revised rent amount, the franchisee decided to supposedly vacate the property and cease operations. The verbal agreement was that he would have already been out prior to the date I was called. I visited the location on my way home from work on November 28th, and it didn't look like anyone there suspected they were closing. I witnessed the manager setting up a Christmas tree that day. Obviously, the owner hadn't told her anything, or she wouldn't have been wasting the time. After speaking to the attorney in L.A. that represented the family of the property owner, we made arrangements to do the lockout on Monday, December 4th. The broker had a locksmith that he used numerous times, and I lined up armed security through my friends over in Tempe. Checking vacant properties doesn't necessarily count as security because I was also looking for maintenance issues, such as leaking pipes. Standing guard while a locksmith changes the locks and booting everyone out is definitely a job for a licensed security agency. There's no way I would want to assume that level of liability just to make a few extra dollars. If anything escalated, that would have been a huge mess with the potential for fines and criminal charges. The owner of the security company understood that the regular property checks after the lockout were my source of supplemental income and didn't begrudge me my side gig. He sent one of his managers over to cover as most of his armed guys were busy elsewhere. I knew his manager, and overall we got along fine, since he was originally from Buffalo and I was from Rochester. For whatever reason, though, he was busting my balls about doing property checks as a sideline. He thought this was only a job for a licensed security agency. Well, as I said, I was not just looking at property through the lens of Securitai. I was looking a bit more holistically. A property owner can hire a security form to do mobile patrol service, and this is fairly common, but definitely not a requirement. I noticed a urinal running nonstop in the men's room early on and turned off its water supply as wastage eventually adds up. Securitai will look just for graffiti, signs of forced entry, and bums. I was also looking for maintenance issues. After some of the initial arrangements were made, my point of contact shifted from the attorney to someone sharp who worked for one of the property owner's sons. He was the operations manager for the One Sons Packaging Company, but had spent years operating his own alarm company in Southern California. 
The ops manager spent several days in Phoenix assessing the building and its contents after the lockout. Coincidentally, I was over in the ops manager neck of the woods in Los Alamitos at my brigade headquarters while he was in Phoenix, so didn't get to meet him in person. There was a decision to wait 60 days before cleaning out the KFC of paper and canned goods. I'm not sure if this was Arizona law or the attorney was following California law. Aside from the non-perishable goods, we had some food that may or may not have lasted 60 days in the freezer. I believe the ops manager had already cleared out the refrigerator, or maybe I did. It's been four years, so a bit sketchy on that detail. Well, in talking to the ops manager, he mentioned all of the frozen chicken in the walk-in freezer. He said that if he didn't have a six-hour drive home to Orange County, he would have taken it and suggested that I rescue it. I figured those birds died to feed someone, so why not? I was 35 miles across town, and as this was December, I just loaded about 80 pounds of frozen chicken into the back of my Highlander without the need for a cooler. It was a challenge to get all of the chicken into the freezer at home, but it eventually fit. Once the perishable chicken was out of the walk-in cooler, we could save some electricity and shut that down as well. The vacant KFC gig lasted five months. I performed daily checks minus the seven weeks that I was away at my senior leadership course at Fort Gordon, Georgia. During my absence, one of my fellow NCOs that lived just a mile and a half from the site covered down on checks. No matter how late he finished work as an HVAC tech, it was on the way home for him. Besides daily exterior and interior checks, periodically we had to provide access control to other vendors. So if an estimator or the exterminator had to get inside, we would open the building, turn on the light, stay on site so no one wandered in, and then rearm the alarm and lock back up when all done. I opened the building once for an estimator, and while I was by the front door, a woman parked her car, walked through the construction fence surrounding the building, and got to the front door when I asked if I could help her with anything. She was obviously very lost in thought as she finally looked up and realized that this KFC was not operational. I had one access control job come through while I was away in Georgia. I was able to set up coverage by stringing together two relief people for the three-hour job. My fellow NCO's father, who was retired, went and opened the building up, but then had to pick up his grandkids from school before the job would end. My friend from my day job tagged out the sergeant's dad for an hour or so, and then dad swung back at the end to secure everything and retrieve the key. My friend from the day job was also a solid guy, former NCO and Army tanker. He lived in Maricopa, so detouring northeast seven miles from work downtown and losing time before heading home was really going to put him in some ugly traffic on I-10. I appreciated the bailout and paid him a couple more dollars than just what the time was worth based on my billing. Saving face and accomplishing the job from 2,000 miles away with the help of solid friends is hard to value in just dollars and cents. Overall, there wasn't too much drama with junkies and the site. I think I only saw the same bum twice there once. All of the others took my disinvite at face value. 
I saw a bum sleeping in the drive-thru one afternoon with a shopping cart, which you can see in the picture if you really look close. I rolled up within 10 feet and laid on the horn before dismounting. He was especially pissy and initially acted like he wasn't going to leave. He was grumbling and making threats as he was pushing his cart away from the site along the sidewalk. One additional key to keeping the place from being overrun with bums was to remove any bum belongings from the site as soon as they appeared. I threw away bags of semi-rancid, unopened, expired food that somebody must have found via dumpster diving. I threw away clothes, sneakers, and even suitcases left on site. Pretty simple. If you want to keep your junk, just don't leave it on a vacant property that I'm being paid to keep clean. It's not like I was going down to Skid Row hassling bums. They were trying to turn my customer's property into an extension of Skid Row, and I wasn't allowing it. I also found numerous hypodermic needles by the dumpster and even laying in the gravel next to the drive-thru. It was on this very site that I dreamed up vagrant feces removal as an offering for my newly formed property services company. Anyway, the site got sold in April to a local operator of 20 or 25 Burger Kings. For whatever reason, they never did convert this into a Burger King, at least not as of six or seven months ago. I'm not sure why, but at least my customer was able to unload the property. Until the next misadventure, remember, don't waste that chicken.